Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Jason Buchanan, Clinical Informatics Officer at Baylor College of Medicine. In part two, he talks about how rounding with individuals can help gain insight into the organization as a whole, the interesting evolution that's happening in medical education, and what leaders can do to break down the barriers between clinical and IT teams. From the perspective of a CIO, you mentioned listening, and that's really important, but it seems like there's a balance they have to kind of strike, but you know, you want to listen, but you can't change everything. So can you give some thoughts on how that can be approached? Sure. When I think of listening, I think of kind of two different ways. Uh, one mm -hmm. is a traditional way where you send out surveys to your providers and you get back the information mm -hmm. to your patients to get back the information as well. Uh, that's kind of the, the quickest and the most easiest way of doing that. What's important, again, are questions uh, that you ask in your surveys. Um, yeah. You want them to be broad, but not overly broad, because you want to get actionable information from those surveys. Um, and I also uh, know that a lot of times um, when people see a survey in their inbox, like, oh, no, another one of these. So you have to make sure that when you do these surveys, it's pretty important to, to say to your providers or patients what it's being used for and what the tentative plan is for these surveys. So they know, okay, I'm doing this surveys to assess the levels of burnout in the organization, but they have, I don't know, three to five year plan to try to, to help those things. And then we'll have a little bit more uh, increase in the compliance of those surveys as well. So that's the first bucket of the listing of those traditional surveys to collect data. I think also what's really important, especially among upper administration, that really doesn't happen a lot, is trying to get on the floor with your providers and with your patients. So we, we know about the typical walk-arounds where you have like a diet or a triad that goes around and you know, looks around and sees what's going on, maybe chit-chats a bit with the providers or the patients. But in some of the really innovative places, uh, those upper administration uh, folks, they actually will spend like a quarter day or a half day with the provider or sitting in the patient uh, waiting room to kind of see what's going on. So they can get really a bird's eye view from the provider or patient or whomever about their day in the life of the doctor or day in the life of the nurse. So I think that really gives a lot of insights um, into the organization as a whole. And we combine that with your surveys and the traditional means of getting data about these things, I think really has a winning combination. Yeah, it makes sense because, you know, you could just be seeing a snapshot of somebody's day and <laughs> it's just a snapshot. Exactly, exactly. And, and also people really appreciate that as well. When they see people come out of their comfort zone and mm -hmm. enter into where you're into your space, I think it's more of, um, of a benefit than an intrusion. Okay. One of the things you're really emphasizing is that people just need to feel like they need to feel heard and also that things aren't being done to them, which you can understand certainly why that leads to frustration. Exactly. It shows that you care about them and that you matter as well. Yeah. So when did you actually go to medical school? Sure. Yes. I got my degree in 2002. So I, I'm originally from New York and I came to Houston to the College of Medicine in 1998. Mm -hmm. And I got my MD in 2002, and then I uh, went to residency in family medicine, completed that in 2005. Okay. So when you think about how that is changing, how the training is evolving, what would you say you'd like to see happen, or hopefully is happening in the way that physicians are educated and trained? 
I'm very hopeful. Um, so when I started at Baylor, they were one of the first few um, med schools to uh, have more of a focus on the clinical aspect. Before it's traditional, you do two years um, in the classroom book work, and you do two years in the wards and you're seeing patients in, in medical school. Uh, so Baylor, they were uh, one of the first ones to do it uh, where you have one and a half years in the classroom. They give you an extra you know, six months actually with direct patient care as a medical student. So I think that's kind of one of the first trends that I started to see. Um, then you start to see uh, more of an integrated uh, system of teaching. So before you'd have your traditional anatomy, you know, physiology, genetics, cardiology, and just learn those in just their individual blocks. Yeah. Probably the last five, 10 years or so, you're seeing more of an integration where you see how the person or the patient comes together as a whole. So you have your subagent, histology, anatomy, physiology, all kind of wrapped in, into one. And you see the various aspects of each of those disciplines during the preparatory coursework. So that is, that's very important. I'm starting to see now a focus on other things that are kind of not so much medical. I'm seeing more about the business side of medicine because Medicine, uh, of course, is about taking great care of patients, uh, but you have to have a feasible and sustainable framework of financial to do that. Um, yeah. So we're seeing some of that now. Also, we're seeing things about importance of nutrition in patient care. I consider uh, diet and exercise medicine, basically, because uh, before when I was training, we got very little um, to the nutrition. Now it's coming more into the fray, but that's very heartening to see as well. And we're also seeing um, more terms of health um, come into the teaching because we know that what we do um, in the clinic is probably about 20% of what really ails people in terms of their health care. And the rest is mainly to do with what's going on at home and work, et cetera. Um, so I think having more focus on that also is very heartening to see. Yeah, no, that's really important. And it seems like you really want to see an evolution also in how IT teams are trained as well, right? It has to be, has to kind of happen in both worlds. Right. There's really a great focus on technology now. Also, just how the medical training used to be, we were trained in individual silos and anatomy physiology. So yeah. I think yeah. that the language is very different when you think about clinical medicine, mm -hmm. IT, and the administration slash business. Yeah. And when you get them together, uh, a lot of times the lingo is different. You don't quite understand what there is. So a lot of cross-training and mm -hmm. getting to each other's space um, is really important. And uh, the freedom to say, you know what, I don't really understand what you just said. Can you say it a different way? Yeah. Or if you're with an IT or, or um, analytics team, typically throw out the raw data um, on a presentation screen. And you might be better off you know, having some graphs and charts so that everybody can understand that. So just having those things um, top of mind that you know, there are other folks um, here with me. Um, they don't have my expertise in this particular realm. Let me make sure that when I do my presentations or when I talk to them, that they'll, they'll be assured that they can understand what I'm saying and how we all fit together. So I think that also is very heartening to see. Yeah. And you mentioned before when you wanted to pursue informatics, was there a specific reason or what was it that made you interested in, in getting into that? I've always been someone that likes science and technology. Okay. And again, it's almost archaic, but back in those days, we didn't even know, you know how many patients were on our panels. So having the ability to see, you know, can I have you know, 1,000 or 2,000 patients 
have this many folks who have hemoglobin A1Cs that are controlled. That's a very powerful um, knowledge um, to work with as a, as a provider. And you can take better care of your patients that way as well. And again, it was, was pretty uh, rudimentary at that time. And just seeing the evolution of things so rapidly really, really kind of sparks the mind about all the different possibilities. Now we have you know, AI and machine learning coming into fray as well. So you can see over time, uh, different parts of the puzzle are starting to fit together gradually. Um, I can you know, see in the future you know, what it's going to be like and hopefully if we stand on a present course. Yeah, but just, just interest uh, going way back to being a kid and you know, playing with computers and science technology kind of got me into it. And just uh, kind of seeing just how better things were with the EHR than without in terms of being able to have knowledge about people I'm taking care of uh, kind of sparked me. Yeah, I also liked one thing that I, that I really liked when we first got the EHR was being able to write prescriptions electronically. Mm -hmm. So back in the old days, you used to have to handwrite each prescription for a patient. Yeah. So let's say you see 20 pictures a day and they have maybe two of the five prescriptions. That's a lot of writing. Yeah. Being able yeah. to just refill with a couple of clicks a prescription now is a big time saver as well. So mm -hmm. kind of got hooked uh, that way. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. And that's something that can make such a, a big difference in terms of safety, too. And Definitely. Yeah. yeah. When you think about the CDS, clinical decision support systems, mm -hmm. uh, having those built in so the medication errors can get reduced um, that way. Um, yeah. So I, I can't imagine you know, how we function um, without having those kind of you know, safeguards and backups in place. So, yeah. uh, so there are some good points to EHR. So. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to uh, to wrap things up. But it's true there some of the advancements, you know, it's easy to get bogged down in the challenges, but some of these advancements are really going to make a tremendous difference. That's right. And also there's a talk and some initial studies going on about uh, using voice uh, with the EHRs, being able to have an ambient voice kind of listening on to your encounters and actually populating your note. So I think if we can see that uh, come into play, that's going to help dramatically with uh, the burden that the providers feel in terms of documentation. Yeah. And even on a personal note, with telehealth has been for parents, especially during the pandemic, <laughs> a game changer. <laughs> and I it really is. Life. When you think of healthcare, they're traditionally known to be very slow to change. And mm -hmm. so we have evidence now that it can be quite nimble if we have to and if we want to. So yeah. we still change our entire model of taking care of patients overnight because of the pandemic. So uh, anything is possible. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.